Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Well, let's go to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians four. It's good to be here this weekend. We've enjoyed it. And this is, I'm not sure how many times I've been here, several times now. This is the first time my wife's able to be here with us. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And we've enjoyed everything about this weekend. I enjoyed most, though, the chocolate-covered almonds, I think they were, in my basket. My wife didn't know I was enjoying them so much until this morning she looked at them and they were half gone. So, and I'm glad you put nuts in there too for her without the chocolate on them. But let's go to Philippians chapter 4. In verse number 10, Philippians 4:10, "But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last you, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. How many of you have heard that verse before? you've quoted that verse before? I know both how to, how to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Here's a, another probably familiar verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Would you read that with me? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. How many of you would say this verse is familiar to you? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. Lord, there's familiar passages in this reading that we read this morning. Sometimes, Lord, if we're not careful, the familiar passages are the passages that we can quote, we know, we give to others when they have needs. We use those when uh, others are suffering. Lord, you gave these passages of scripture to your children in times of trouble, in times of need, in times of trial, in times of weakness, in times of being overwhelmed, and Lord, you've given us your word. And so I pray today that you'd bless your word, that you bless the preaching of it. Lord, we thank you for the music that we've been a part of and we've worshiped today and I, pr I pray Lord that you were pleased with it and Lord we um, we don't invite you into where we're at Lord we ask that you bring us into where you're at we want to be in your presence we want to be where you desire us to be we want to hear from you and so change us I pray convict us challenge us do a work in us today but Lord don't let us leave here the same as we came and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd please be seated this morning. Again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's, um, 
it's very different getting up on a Sunday morning and not going to your church. And uh, my thoughts have been in Toledo. I pastor Monclova Road Baptist Church in Toledo. I, was, I grew up here in this area. My wife was born in Delaware County and uh, was raised there. And we lived there till 2003 till the Lord moved us to Ohio. But uh, we're glad to be back. And I do appreciate your pastor. I was just thinking that uh, this morning as I was uh, just contemplating on the message this morning, I was thinking just how much of a dear friend that he is. And uh, I echo the same words that he uh, said just a few moments ago. He is a dear friend. And I love him. And I love his family. And I like having friends that uh, we think alike. And um, we see things the same way. And, and uh, that's uh, challenging and encouraging to me. We come to this passage of scripture, and I, I, I like to preach through books of the Bible because I, I like to study a, a, a verse in its context. We're coming to the end of this chapter, and we don't have the time nor the opportunity this morning to look at this entire book and read it from the beginning and understand what when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing this epistle, he was writing it in its context. He didn't write it in chapters, in verses, and we understand that today. He sat and he began to write. And if you were to study the book of Philippians, and I'm sure many in this room know this, that you would find there's two words that you find throughout this entire book. It's joy and rejoicing. Joy and rejoicing. Now, this is interesting that Paul is writing this book because Paul is in a place that is not a place where we would find joy and rejoicing. Paul is in Rome. Paul is, is finishing his life. And Paul was saved, and, and, and on that road to Damascus, he, he met Christ, and he was gloriously saved. And you know Paul's life. From that point forward, Paul went through much trials, much difficulty. You could say this, that Paul's life before he was saved was probably easier in some areas. Because once Paul got saved, instead of him going and putting Christians in jail, he was now the Christian that found himself in jail. He's writing to this church at Philippi, and this is the church that I want to remind you that when he was in Philippi and he was uh, preaching and Lydia, the seller of purple, was saved and, and he cast that demon out of that young damsel, he found himself in prison, he found himself in jail, beaten by the Philippian jailer. And I wonder if as Paul is writing this church, he's writing and he's thinking of those experiences that he had there in Philippi, his first trip in Philippi. It wasn't a very uh, uh, encouraging trip. It's not a trip that I'm sure if, if uh, 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 you were to think back and you were beaten and placed in jail, it's probably not uh, uh, opportunities that, that you want to uh, go back to and rejoice about. But Paul is writing this book and he's teaching these same people that in everything we do to rejoice. Look with me in verse number 10. He says this, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Here we come to the end of this, of this book, toward the end of this chapter, and he says this, not only do I rejoice, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now, how many of you want to learn how to rejoice and have joy in the Lord today? I know I do. Because life can be difficult. Life can be challenging. I know there are some that if you were to turn on the TV set, you could find some preachers, prosperity gospel preachers that are saying this, that if you were saved, all of your problems are going to go away. How many of you found that to be true? Exactly. If you send them money, all of your problems will go away. That's not true either. Their problems might go away, but you still have problems. The prosperity gospel is not a biblical gospel preaching. It's, it's not true. And so many Christians, because they, they get caught into that, their life goes through trials, their life goes through struggles, and they believe something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong. God must be mad at me. Because I'm, I'm hearing that once you're saved, everything should go easy and everything uh, uh, should be pain-free. And, and it seems like I'm suffering over and over and over again. Well, you're in good company because you find yourself in the same company that Paul finds himself in. Yet Paul still is challenging the church. He's challenging the believer to rejoice. Now, a lot of ministry is now behind Paul. 
There's been a lot of faith that Paul has had to endure, had to go through, had to trust. A lot of patience in the Lord's work. Paul's learned a lot. I'll remind you, for sake of time, we won't go there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 9, Paul learned something. He learned that God's grace is sufficient. Remember, Paul had something that was just continuing to nag at him, continuing. He, he said it was something that Satan used to buffet him. We're not sure exactly what it was. Many of uh, Bible theologians have tried to take a guess at what it was, but the reality is we don't know, but we know it's something that was so severe that Paul continued to go to the Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I went to the Lord three times and asked him or begged of him to remove this, but Paul learned something in that prayer that God's grace is sufficient. You see, what Paul is going to write about to this Philippian church is what he learned through his life of ministry and his life of being saved, his life of walking with the Lord, is this, that God's grace is sufficient. We can have joy even though there's trials in our life and there's struggles that we are going through because God's grace is sufficient. He learned several things in this passage of Scripture as well that I want us to take note of this morning. As Paul is closing this letter to the Philippian church, Paul uses verse 10. He's learning these things. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now that at your last care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now look what Paul says in verse number, now that I speak in respect, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I want us to learn something today. I want us to learn something of joy and rejoicing. We looked this past weekend, these last couple days, we looked in our marriages and I made this statement on several occasions over this past weekend, but what God gave you in a spouse, he gave you exactly what you needed. Our goal should not be, let's go find something else that'll make me happy. Our goal ought to be, I'm going to just be satisfied and content in what God has given me. Paul learned something here. I want you to see in verse number 11 with me again. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Paul, what have you learned? In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Familiar passage of Scripture for us. But again, as I think about this passage of Scripture, Paul is in a prison. Paul is in Rome. Paul's ministry is behind him. Paul is getting older. Paul, is, his body has been beaten. His body is worn. Paul, on his way to Rome, is shipwrecked. And this, this storm, Eurachlodon, has shaken Paul. And it shake, shook this ship and broke this ship up. Paul spent three months on this island and then was taken to Rome. Paul is in a place that if Paul could choose, it's probably not a place that he would choose. Paul finds himself in a place that most of us would never want to find herself in. It's away from friends. It's away from family. It's away from home. He's not quite sure what the future is going to hold. And he says to the ch uh, church here at Philippi, there's something that I've learned that I want you to get. There's something that is important. It's this, no matter where I'm at, I'm content. Now, Paul, how are you content in jail? Paul, how are you content serving the Lord? And it seems like everything you're doing you're getting yourself into trouble. It seems like everywhere you go that you preach this gospel, that, that you're caring and you're loving and they're, they're, they're throwing you in jail, you're, you're being stoned, you're, you're, your friends have left you over these years, you've been hurt by individuals. Why in the world, how could you learn to be content when you look at all of this and it's difficult as a human being? You see, Paul's joy wasn't in any inconveniences because Paul didn't have any conveniences here. Paul's joy was not in material possessions. And please don't miss this this morning. 
Because even the Christian at times, we're living for the wrong things. We're desiring the wrong things. We're wanting so desperately the things that we think are going to bring joy. And when we get those things, you know what we find? They don't bring the joy that we need. And when we don't get those things, we think that God doesn't love us or that we're missing out on something. Paul is saying this, I have learned to be content. No material possessions. No, his health isn't in the greatest at this point in his life. There's no modern luxuries that Paul is enjoying. Paul's joy was present because he learned what to be content in. Again, don't miss this, please. Because sometimes in our mind, we have it set, I can be happy if my life looks like this. I told your pastor, I think it was yesterday, we were together. I told him this. I said, I, I, I don't like to look on social media anymore on a Sunday afternoon. Because I see everybody else had great days. I, I was listening the last couple Sundays um, uh, here knowing that we were coming. And I just wanted to just see what the church was like and what was happening here at the church. And so I took the time to, to watch a couple of the last weeks. And I kept hearing how many, how many people have been saved here over the last so, so many weeks or months or so. And I was discouraged. Because we haven't had 70-some people saved in Toledo. Boy, I heard how many people at Easter, and I thought to myself, boy, that, that's encouraging for them, but man, what am I doing wrong as a pastor? And God says to me, just like he says to you, in whatsoever state you are in, be content with where God has you. And, and you must learn what to be content in if you're going to be content. And I want you to see what Paul says as we're taking this entire book into consideration as Paul writes it. Go back to verse number, chapter number one of Philippians, if you would please, with me this morning. And I want you to see in verse number 20. How could Paul write, I've learned to be content Mark this down in your mind someplace, please, because he understood what he was to be content in. The first thing I see here, verse number 20 of chapter 1, Paul said, According to my earnest expectations and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Would you mark this down, please, someplace in your mind, someplace in your heart, and don't forget this this week. If you're going to learn to be content, you must learn to be content in something. And I see this. He was content that Christ was magnified in his life. You see, if you learn that you are living for Christ, and Christ is then magnified in your life, you can be content. We look at our marriage, if we're not careful, we look at the physical, we look at the material, we look at the blessings, we look at the things that we think that marriage and the home and the church and our life and our workplace ought to look like. And if we don't achieve those things, we're not happy, we don't have joy, we're lacking, uh, rejoicing. And Paul says, I've learned the best thing to do is just simply understand this. I can be content in no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm going through. I'm in a shipwreck and Eurachlodon has, has shaken our world. I find myself on the bottom of a, of a heap of stones. I find myself in a Philippian jail. I find myself in a Roman jail. I find myself not sure what life is going to look like tomorrow. How then can I be content? I'm content because my life magnifies Jesus Christ. Does your life magnify Christ? You see, you can be content in your life that God is allowing you to live if Christ is magnified in your life. If others see Christ, if, you see, if others see Christ in your home, if others see Christ in your workplace, when others see Christ in your community, when someone sees your life, they say, Christ is magnified. I need to hurry this morning. Number two, 
Christ or, or Paul could say that in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. He knew that. Look with me in chapter number two of Philippians. In verse number one. Chapter number two, verse number one, Paul said, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if, 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 if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy. What joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul was content because his life magnified Christ. Paul, secondly, we find that Paul could be content because there was unity within the brethren that he ministered with. Listen to me, this world is so divisive. I used to be a news junkie and I stopped watching the news just because I would just get so worked up. I don't need other things in my life that work me up. I get worked up just being me. How many of you are like that? Just you wake up and you're worked up. Paul is content. He's content, first of all, because he's lived his life and Christ was magnified in it. Then Paul begins to evaluate the life of his brethren, the life there at the Philippian church. And Paul says this, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You know, we can be content in our lives if there's unity within the brethren. Now, we had this scheduled over a year ago to come. And um, 2020 hit. How many of you, you remember COVID? <laughs> Messed up everything. We were supposed to be here last April, I think it was, and, and we were looking forward to it. And, and uh, then, then COVID hit and we rescheduled for this year. And we've been looking forward to it. And I've, I've, uh, we've texted with your pastor back and forth. My wife, she has been so happy. She couldn't wait to come and teach here. She's been so excited about that. And, and I've been excited about it. Just even just to get away with my wife, that has sounded so good. A couple weeks ago, your pastor called me and he said, hey, I just want you to know. I thought he was going to say to me, I've got cheesesteaks, soft pretzels, tasty cakes, hers potato chips. We've got, we've got a whole suitcase that we're sending home with you when you come. That's what I thought he was going to tell me. Yeah, I was already saying amen. I, I, was, I said, I'm going to fast before I go because I'm going to. And I said, what are you going what, what to do? What do you need to tell me? And then I thought, oh no, he's going to cancel on me. I'm not going to get cheesesteaks, tasty cakes, Hearst potato chips. He said, hey, I want you to know I resigned this afternoon. I was sitting with my wife when he told me that. I, I, I literally, I, I just sat there. She said, what is wrong? And I, if you remember when he called, he, I, I think he said, are you, are you there? I mean, it just, my, my, everything just, well, you know the feeling. I mean, this is my buddy. This is my friend. He was going to hire me one day and I was going to work for him. He was going to teach me how to... He was going to teach me how to preach. He was going to pay me in cheesesteaks. I mean, he had it all worked out. And really that couple weeks ago, it, as a pastor, as a pastor, you begin to think, man, you love people. The last couple of weeks, I've thought to myself every day, every, every day, this is, this is the truth. Every day I've said, I thought to myself, how's, how's my friend doing? And then I thought, how's the church doing? You know what brings great joy and contentment in one's life? Is when there's unity within the brother. About, it'll be six years ago, I 
became a pastor of a church. It was the most difficult. What, what's worse than difficult? It, it, was, it was the hardest thing of my life. Because I took a church, I became the pastor of a church that was so disunified. It was so fleshly that had this group saying this and this group wanting this and this group wanting this. And there was many a times I said to my wife in that first year, I don't know what I did wrong, but God must be mad at me. You see, the greatest thing that we must learn to do as Christians, it brought Paul great joy, is when the brethren were together in unity. You see, because when the brethren is, to get, brethren is together in unity, Christ is magnified. You see, what Paul desired not only was that Christ was magnified in his life, he desired that Christ was magnified in the life of the church. You see, everything we do, Every way we respond, every way we act, the way we think, it ought to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Thirdly, let me look at this chapter number three. If you would follow with me there, chapter number three, verse number nine, Paul says this, chapter three, verse nine, and he found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul was content with where he was in his life because Christ was magnified in his life because there was unity within the brethren. And thirdly, I find this, that his identity was in Christ and that he could know Christ. Paul's identity was in Jesus Christ. And therefore, Paul could be content with his life because Paul didn't have aspirations of his own. Paul didn't have desires of his own. Paul wasn't trying to make a name for himself. Paul wasn't living to bring himself glory. Paul wasn't chasing his dream. And this is totally opposite from humanism. It's totally opposite from what the world says. The world says, have it your way. Be happy. Be who you are. Do what you want to do. And we're living in a society that that is just being, just being driven into our young people's lives and into our own lives and into our homes. And, and there's where, that's why there's so much disruption in our homes because we've got two different people wanting what they want instead of wanting what Christ wants. We're looking at power and we're looking at fame and we're looking at wealth and making a name and, and, and living, leaving a mark. But that's not what the Christian ought to be worried about. Christian is consumed with who am I in Christ Jesus? What am I here for? When I react, when I respond, when I live, it's how Christ would respond. It's how he would live. My identity, now that I'm a child of God, is not in my own self. My identity is in Christ and who he is. Paul had a realization of what was really important. And because he had a realization of what really mattered, he was able to be content. I want you to follow along with me. Go back to chapter number four, if you would, please. I'm watching the time here, I promise. Chapter number four, verse number 13, Paul said this. Not only did he say, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, he learned this. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, I've seen that verse on basketball players, you know, uh, uh, gear. They, that's not what Paul is using this in its context. This verse does not mean anything you want to do, God's going to help you do it. It's not what this means. I want you to write this down, number two, someplace in your heart. Paul learned, Paul learned he could accomplish his calling. Paul learned to be content. And secondly, what Paul learned, I see here, that he can accomplish his calling. 
None of Paul's situations held Paul back from finishing his race. All the things that I had mentioned earlier, and for sake of time, we couldn't go back in the book of Acts and find all the difficulties that, that Paul faced. But, but everything that Paul went through, how could Paul go through being stoned? How could Paul go through being shipwrecked? How could Paul go through being beaten and being spit upon and, and being cursed at and, and, and his friends forsaking him? And, and how could Paul go through this? Because Paul learned that he could accomplish his calling. He learned that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. None of Paul's situation is going to hold Paul back. So it doesn't matter, Paul, what the trial is. It doesn't matter what the difficulty is. It doesn't matter what you're facing, Paul. And all I say to you this morning, oh, listen to me, Christian. It doesn't matter the difficulty that you may have in your marriage. It might not matter the difficulty that you're having at work. It doesn't matter the difficulty that some of you are having right now with your health. God is going to give you the strength to accomplish what he has called you to accomplish. And that's what that verse means. It doesn't mean I'm going to go off on my own and I'm going to do the same thing and God's going to bless me and he's going to do whatever I want him to do. It means this, when you get out there serving God, when you get to a place that looks difficult, when you get to a place full of trials, when you get to a place that you don't know if you can muster the strength to get through another, another day, the Bible says, and Paul learned, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. You can get through it. You can endure. You can find strength. Paul at his darkest moment knew that he could finish his race because his strength doesn't come from what Paul can muster up. His strength comes through Jesus Christ. Paul learned he could accomplish his calling. Paul's trials were opportunities to see Christ work. Listen, the reality is this. All of us are facing something. We all are. I could spend all of my time this morning just telling you the trials that I'm facing. You could get up and you could tell me all of the issues that you're facing. All of us are facing something. But Paul learned this, that when these trials came, these were opportunities for Christ to work. You see, it's not on the mountaintop experiences that we see Christ's strength. It's in those valleys. It's in the place that we just feel like we can't go another day. Christ says, my strength is sufficient. Paul learned, and when he was laying on the bottom of that heap of stones, and those men were cursing him and throwing stones, they wanted him dead for preaching the gospel. It was when Paul would open his eyes up, they were left him for dead, and Paul opened his eyes up and said, how can I go back into another city and preach the gospel, endure this again? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's how. Paul was beaten by that Philippian jailer. And Paul was laying there in that prison cell. And Paul began to sing about the mercies and the joy of the Lord. And I'm sure Paul was human. And so I'm sure Paul thought, can I endure another beating? Can I, can I be placed in another prison cell? When he writes, if Onesimus has forsaken me, I'm sure Paul thought to himself, can I have another friend leave? And then Paul learned this. What God has called me to, he strengthens me. You might be in your marriage today and you might think to yourself, can I endure this? Can I go another day? It's not dependent upon your strength if you can. And that's what we must learn. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Thirdly, Paul learned he could accomplish his calling. He learned that his situations, none of his situations are going to hold him back from finishing his race. Paul's trials were opportunities to see Christ's work and give him strength. And thirdly, I want you to see this. Go back to chapter number one of this chapter of this book as well, if you would, please. Verse number 12, chapter one. But I would be 
But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace in all their places. Paul realized this, that his strength was not in himself, but in Christ to accomplish God's purpose. Paul realized it was not his strength. It wasn't dependent upon Paul. Aren't you so glad that what God has called you to, you don't have to have your strength to do it? I'm so glad that when God called me to do what he's called me to, uh, I'll tell you, marriage has been one of the most blessed things in my life. Marriage has been one of the most hardest things in my life. Parenting has been, how many, of you, how many of you are a parent here in this room? How many of you say the joy of your life is parenting? How many of you say the discouragement of your life is parenting? <laughs> I say this often to our church. You know, pastoring people is the greatest thing in the world. And pastoring people is the worst thing in the world. It just depends on what day you ask me. All the things that God has called me to do, all the things that God has, has, has put in my life to do, God is also strengthening me to do it. We had a boy, and then God gave us four girls. And now we have four teenage girls and a female dog. I mean... There is, it's tough being in my home. <laughs> my son works like three jobs and he told me, Dad, it's not the money, I just want to get out of the house. <laughs> I said, take me. <laughs> but Paul realized his strength is not in himself, but it's in Christ. And the strength is there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not there to accomplish your purpose. It's there to accomplish God's purpose through you. Don't miss that, please, this morning. Lastly, I want us to see Philippians chapter 4. Go back to that chapter, if you would, please. Paul learned something else. Verse number 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul learned what God sets in order. God always supplies. How many of you ever worried? Yeah, the rest of you are lying. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many nights I've gone to bed worried. I can't tell you how many, how many hours a week that I've spent worrying. Paul learned that God sets in order what God sets in order. God always, always supplies. God's purpose can never be done with man's supply. And I tell you, church, this is something that I've had to learn the hard way. Because if there's a problem, just ask me, I'll tell you the solution. I have a strong will. I, I far too often use God as the last resort instead of the first option. I, I think too much of Jeremy and I think too much of my mind and I think too much of my strength and I think too much of my intellect, but God's purpose can never be done with man's supply. You know what the greatest thing that I've ever learned as a pastor? I can't do it. I need God's help. The greatest thing I learned as a husband? I can't do it. I need God's help. The greatest thing I learned as a, as a, as a parent? I can't do it. The things that God has called me to, I don't have the supply. I don't have the strength. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the power. I don't have the, uh, the ability. But my God does. 
And he has promised to supply what he and where he has placed you. He does it when we can't explain it. This, this same uh, chapter that we were reading in, he said, but I rejoice in verse 10 in the Lord greatly that, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. You know, Paul was saying here, you wanted to help me, but you couldn't. Now there was opportunity that, uh, or, or places that Paul had that there was not opportunity for them to help Paul. When Paul was shipwrecked on the island, Paul didn't just get on his cell phone and text someone and say, hey, just want you to know I'm going to be about three months late. Paul didn't pick up the phone and say, just, he didn't get on the computer and email somebody. There was no way to get to them. A storm had placed him on this island for all they knew that that ship that Paul was on was shipwrecked and, and everyone's been lost and there was no way to get to the, to the to places that Paul needed to get to so people could come and help Paul. Paul had to be on that island for three months. You know what Paul had to learn? God's going to supply there were places in Paul's life that others couldn't come. There was obviously a time in Paul's life that the Philippian church wanted to help Paul, but they lacked opportunity or they weren't able to get to him. But Paul learned that God's going to supply. You know what I find? Sometimes God supplies when it can't be explained by anyone other than just it was God. It's a God thing. A friend can't get to you. A parent can't get to you. You can't get to your child. 17 years old, my wife signed papers for my son to join the military. I told her not to do it. She did it anyways. No, we signed it. For 10 weeks, I can't tell you how many times a night I'd get up and I'd say to my wife, I'm three o'clock in the morning, I'm putting my shoes on. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to get them. She said, you can't. I said, I am. She says, you don't know where he's at. I'm going to find him. She says, Uncle Sam owns him. I'm getting him back. Worst 10, 12 weeks, whatever it was of my life. I wanted to get to my boy and I couldn't touch him. I didn't even know where he was. I just thought this big drill sergeant was screaming and yelling at him and he was crying himself to sleep. That's all I could imagine. Instead, it was me that was crying myself to sleep. He's out playing with guns and playing in the mud. He loved it. You know what I learned during that week, that 10 to 12 weeks of time? And God taught me this. When my children are at a place that I can't reach them, I have to trust God that he will. And you know what my son learned? When I'm in a place that my parents can't get to me, he couldn't just pick up a phone. We didn't hear his voice. You know what he learned? God will. You know, it's important for us to come to places in life where we learn that God sets an order and God supplies, and he does it in ways that we can't explain. He does it in ways where others, look with me in verse 14, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. This is to the Philippian church, verse number 16, for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul said this, number one, you couldn't get to me, but God still supplied. Then, then he said, I want to thank you because when you were able to get to me, you supplies. God used you to meet a need in my life. And then lastly, look with me in verse number 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul learned what God sets in order. God always supplies. He does it in areas that we can't explain. He does it through his children in meeting our needs, but he always does it in verse number 20. He does it for his glory. Right now, every single person in this room is facing a trial. And Paul closes this letter with even more reasons to rejoice. God always supplies 
We must learn to trust him. And so church, in your situation right now, will you learn to trust God? In your marriage right now? See, there's no magic potion. I'll, I'll counsel people, and, and I'll counsel people for 45 minutes, and I'll say, you know, the Bible says this. I know that. Well, the Bible says, I know that. Well, the, and then I'll finally say, oh, 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 I, I'm sorry for wasting your time for these last 45 minutes to an hour. You want that magic dust I keep in the top drawer that if I just pour that on you, all your problems go away. And they look at me and they say, is there some like that? I'm like, are you kidding me? No, 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 we can't get all of our problems to go away. It's not reality. But you know what is reality? Is in the midst of it, we can rejoice when we learn to trust God. I wrote this down, and I'm done with this. Trusting produces rejoicing. Do you know why Paul could say, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly? Is because he learned to trust in the Lord greatly. He learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He learned that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And he learned that what God tells you to do, what God ordains, God always supplies. Would you bow with me in prayer this morning? Church, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Because trusting produces rejoicing. How many of you this morning would love to say this? I want to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. I want that to be my testimony. I want to have joy and I want to rejoice in the Lord. Would you raise your hand with me this morning? You say, that's what I desire. I desire to rejoice. You must stop looking to your circumstances to produce rejoicing and joy. Your circumstances in itself don't produce joy. It's what you do, it's you who you trust in your circumstance that produces joy. Everyone in this room has some trial, everybody. It's a relationship issue. It's a physical issue. It's an issue at work. It's an issue in your mind. But one thing I can be certain in a room of people I don't know, because I'm in a room of human beings, I know there's trials. And in these trials, what we have, because we know Christ is his word, and we can rejoice. Can our problems be solved and fixed? Some of them will never be, but you can rejoice. Will you decide this morning that you will trust and then allow that trust to produce rejoicing? As a church, you're gonna go on a trust journey. You can rejoice because your trusting can produce rejoicing. Will you allow this to happen? If there's one here today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, in church, I know this is a Sunday morning and the message this morning wasn't necessarily on the gospel, it wasn't on salvation and if there's someone here today that you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior I pray you would give an opportunity to those here in this church to show you how to be saved I pray that my message this morning didn't 
hinder you from hearing or wanting to receive the gospel. But maybe you're going through life and you're just saying, I'm searching, I'm trying to find happiness. I'm trying to find, I'm, I'm, I'm here today at this church because I'm trying to find it in church. You know what you're, not, you're never gonna find? You're never gonna find it in church. You're never gonna find it in religion. I'm just, I'm just looking for a feeling. You're never going to find it in a feeling. You'll only find what you're looking for in Jesus Christ. In salvation. Not in a program. Only in Christ. And if you need to trust Jesus Christ today, put your faith and trust in him, I pray today that you'll accomplish that. Church, I'm gonna ask you this right now. And I know, I know we're in the middle of COVID and we wanna be careful, but trusting produces something. Trusting is an action. It's not done passively. It's a decision on purpose that you're going to make. And I'm going to ask you to make an action today in trusting. I'm going to ask that you would come from where you're sitting to this altar, to this front pew, find a place. And I want you to give your trial, give your situation. I want you to give it to the Lord today and, and, and quote these verses in the right context. As Paul wrote them, I can find joy in my, you name whatever it is. I can rejoice in my, you name whatever it is. I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as you're standing, I'm gonna ask you to just take that step, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your child, or maybe with your friend that you're sitting with. Just take a step out of where you're sitting into the aisle and come down here to this altar and say, Lord, I want trusting to produce rejoicing because I need to rejoice. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done, is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.